0: RPS. Live from Premier Beta Sound 2022. Proudly presented by Cupra.
1: You're listening to The Weekly Review, broadcasting live from the Parkdale Forum on weekend two of Primavera Sound 2022. We are finally here, the penultimate day. No, actually, there's three more days left if we include the Brunt on the Beat. And tonight, we are very excited because closing the festival on the Cooper stage, one of everybody, Primavera goers' favorite slot is the man himself, Huge Danny, Daniel Harl, in the studio.
2: Yes, this (laughs) is happening
3: again <laughs> and you're not i
2: feel kidding.
1: bad that there's no euphoric sounds like whooshing in there's this weird sort of dead silence because we can't hear the audience outside we need to put a microphone outside or we text.
3: need danny making noises <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a good noise. And that's the crowd clapping <laughs> mar take it away <laughs>
3: i feel like every well the other interview you did the last the same thing, like, um, hello, Mar, take it away. (laughs) Because we're lazy, (laughs) Mar, we're just lazy. (laughs) Well, it's the second time you've been here with us um, in the weekly review. Last time we were at Benidorm. Now we're in Barcelona. It's sunny. It's not raining. How are you feeling, Dani?
2: Yeah, amazing. This is the most I've ever been excited for a set. The one tonight is going to be quite enormous, dare I say. Wow. Nobody
3: missed that because I... If you say you're the most excited you've been for a set it means it's it's going to be and it, a huge one.
1: it's a very special set for for any DJ who gets to play Primavera Sound. Obviously, you've got the Die stage uh, and the the bits area on the beach, which is kind of the more electronic-friendly uh, you know, um, stages. But the Cupra stage, what used to be the Ray Ban stage, uh, it's it's there's something legacy about it. Dave P closed it on uh, last weekend. Uh, DJ Coco will famously resume his, his his legendary closing set tomorrow. But tonight, the Friday night set of every every year it's always the special one because it's the night in between so you can go massive you still have another day of festival what have you prepared for this set is it going to be huger
2: than huge yes in fact i've prepared a portal to another dimension so it should be it should should do the job yes and and do you even do
1: do you rehearse the the sets when it's this kind of when it's a festival or
2: sort of i kind of know what i want and i know how to do it so just do that really
0: and you've even picked the last song. You know what, what you're going to use as a process? Oh, concert? yes. Okay, okay. Is that, is that have something to do with the record you're brandishing in your hands? The record I
2: am brandishing is something to do with a gig that I played earlier this week. Ah, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah.
3: I want to ask you about that because we missed the iconic reunion of Daniel Harl and DJ Pastis. And you got to meet Buenry at, um, were you playing Not Drasmatas? So. Red
0: 58, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, exactly. Yes. Which is like a smaller venue. The
0: biggest club in <laughs> all
2: of Barcelona. Red fifty eight.
3: But does you it...
2: around the block, you'll definitely get in. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the queues were huge. Um, yeah.
2: shut huge. down by <laughs> the police <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well not shut down, but you know. The queue was shut down, not the event, luckily. Does really? that mean the
0: queue was more dangerous than the event? Well
2: maybe, you know. Okay. Dare I say. I was inside the club though, I don't know.
3: Please um, explain how it was because I really need to know what level of FOMO should I have for not being there.
1: Because just so you know, Danny, all workers at Primavera Sound were banned from going to the city gigs. Banned. to allow. Is a little bit harsh. Well, maybe. no, we were asked kindly <laughs> we're kind to not... You shall not enter the city. <laughs> On <No, because, laughs> decree of the mayor. <laughs> to favor the ticket goers so that they would, you know, because space were, capacity was limited. It's like, look,
2: let's just create as much yeah, capacity as Yeah, because then it would just possible. all be Prima stuff in every <laughs> city <event. laughs> It would literally be that. Yeah, but which is good, which is a good sign about Primavera as a festival though, that all the staff actually really want to go to the stuff. Um, but yeah, no, as an event it was extraordinary and it was like the perfect sort of it, it it really did what it set out to do, which was to like like provide this kind of music, the 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 original music that inspired my hardcore project in its kind of original environment, which is a club that is so sweaty. And has like so few facilities that like that you can see that the, the the sort of air is like wet itself like the rainforest with the sweat of the people in the room, and it's just like the intensity that just that adds yeah. up to is just extraordinary, yeah. and that is where this music comes from, and the environment that the music gets played in is very important because that influences the way it's produced. Um, like if you look at something like sound system music, obviously they literally like like the way that music is thought of is in terms of of like, they write music in terms of like the different speakers. So they think of it in terms of these like three different channels. Ah. And then with this hardcore stuff, it's much more because it's played in these little clubs on these little speakers. It's all about the the higher frequencies. You very rarely get these low frequencies in the the music. So anyone was there, you'd hear that it was all this kind of like, that sort of like, sort of tinny, like crazy sounds, all these sort of saw waves, like smashing your brains in. And uh, it was just, it's kind of like... It's kind of like seeing an animal in the wild as opposed to in a zoo, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you about that because I always
1: get the feeling that, that at festivals, DJs, whether they're house music or techno or everything in between, I get the sense that it's, everything sounds different to a club. Does that have to do with there's no walls and ceilings for the to, for rebound? Is it because they, the technicians, sound techs, equalize the DJ m- m- mixers to, to sound in a way that has to and greets a lot more people.
2: Um, Yeah. I mean, like, speakers are literally like drums, basically. Like, you can play the same track on two different sets of speakers and it will sound like a completely different track. It's like extraordinary like and and music is written for different types of speakers, even like pop music or whatever is written for nowadays, these kind of like Bose sound systems mm. and ultimately cars, which is what the sort of like 90s sort of like solidified as an idea like the EQ levels are set to where like the car as cars average sub bass stops and like the, the top end stops there, because then that allows you to get maximum loudness in the sort of like frequencies that you are using. But if you let go to a drum and bass, Bass gig, you'll get loads of sub bass because they know that there'll be actual like speakers that can oh. handle those kind of frequencies in there. So like, yeah, it's, it makes a massive difference as a thing.
1: Wow. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, got, I just got schooled. Because <laughs> uh, that's something that a, a lot of uh, record producers and sound record, like people like Steve Albini, they lament the fact that everyone is making music for MP3 and, and uh, AirPods mm. apart from the car stereo mm. thing. Uh, do you visualize a future where now that there's all this audiophile culture that's starting to go mainstream again of
2: people investing like loads of money and having nice home stereos? I mean, that's just this is definitely already a thing and will always be. Anything that sort of like people can just get all nerdy about will always be a thing, to be honest. But um, the thing is, I actually really, really like... Writing for MP3s and that kind of like watery underwater sound that they have. I just because I grew up from the uh, in the uh, generation which had like Kazaa and LimeWire and like these sort of like illegal down. Not that I ever used them, of course. I always bought my music legitimately, but at a friend's house, for example, they would be showing me the uh, music that they had downloaded illegally. That I was uh, yeah that I didn't agree with at all. And and uh, and it would always be these kind of like horrendous like track titles with loads of underscores in them, and always be the wrong artist. Um, And it would just sound like sort of just like an underwater kind of like babble. Um, And uh, yeah, and and that for me is like a very nostalgic sound. And now there's like plugins and stuff that you can use on your music to make it sound like that, to imitate that sort of MP3 compression. And that's, yeah, that's the thing Ah. I really like. In fact, actually, um, one of the first ever hardcore remixes was... Uh, of a track I did called Blue Angel featuring Clairo. And, yeah. and I released a remix for free, the Hullcore remix. And it, you had to sort of like make your way through the website, like find your way through a puzzle. <laughs> and then you would just get a free MP3 download of it. And it was, the title was like designed in that, in that sort of like LimeWire Kazar style way. <laughs> so it was just like blue underscore angel underscore. Dan- and I think I got something intentionally wrong about the track in the title <laughs> as well, just to sort of like uh, be true to the form.
3: That's so funny because I, I have the exact same memory of my computer being filled with viruses and a ton of <laughs> underscore um whatever something super poppy radio um underscore dot mp three. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely love that.
3: And I actually would love a, a full album with that kind of title aesthetic. It, it would actually be so good. It would be fantastic.
2: And and with viruses on it as well.
3: <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Once you listen to it, your phone completely dies. and Yeah, goes, yeah, yeah. That's
0: um, a really good idea. <laughs> have, you found, have you ever found anyone sort of making fake Daniel Hull tracks in the sort of Kazar style? In the fake Kazar
2: style? Um... Uh, Not to my knowledge. I would love. I'm a huge fan of of fake versions of anything, so uh, I haven't, haven't ever found someone masquerading as me. I've I've had a lot of people uploading my stuff onto Spotify, just like ripping stuff off um, my YouTube mixes and uploading those to Spotify and that kind of thing. But that's slightly less interesting. I'd like someone to make a new track and pretend it was me. And then just see how far that goes oh and then, God. yeah, uh, best of luck to everybody. <laughs> this is a uh, open competition forever now, by the way. Uh,
1: uh, but Danny, I get the sense that you're a bit of a utopian. Do you th- what do you think now with all that we know about music being so available for everyone and, and being practically free or just paying like 9.99 a month and getting unlimited
2: access to music?
1: Uh, you, you, you know, you're a good visionary. Do you think, where is that going to lead?
2: Yeah, Uh, I can't help but think that uh, uh, the thing that I see as a kind of like viable way of, of, of being an artist in the future, I think it might take a few steps from here, but is a kind of Patreon model. That's what I see as the sort of thing that will take off in the future because it's very clear that people want to support artists that they like, like on an individual level. And I think that, kind of thing where the only real way you can do that these days is by merch and buying like physical things like almost and it happens almost arbitrarily um and like in japan with with like akb 48 where you have to buy like 12 cds uh, of the same album so you can get a chance to vote on which. Sort of people from AKB48 play at the next gig. That's a very long story about a very complicated <laughs> band. But, um, I'm
3: pretending I know. What yeah, 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 no, that, that's, I know what you mean. Yeah, heard yeah, the yeah. And
2: yeah, they, yeah. they've got a fake member, right? Like one of them isn't real. But you can also vote for them to be in the show as oh well. My God. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I just think like there is an appetite for people to pay for the, for, the, for the music they listen to from artists that they like. And it's always kind of like leveling out at the same kind of amount. But rather than like buying an album every month for 16 99 people are being forced to like subscribe to a streaming service just to listen to the few albums that they like to listen to. So I think, I think people would actually, like a, a lot of those people would actually prefer just to kind of like, like get a more kind of like sort of uh, fulfilling uh, kind of relationship with an artist via some kind of like method where they get sort of more access to more stuff and more kind of, a, of an insight. And it would, it would obviously be, a, I'm not talking about like, this being such a big thing that it's like, a, a, like the, the, the mass way to consume music. But that's something that I see as a very legitimate way of, mm. of having a kind of like very intense fan base. Because I think these days it's very clear that there are sort of like two types of fan bases. Um, where there's the ones that are like paying close attention to an artist project and the ones that just know the main song. Um, and the ones that just know the main song are, are far more people but they're sort of but, but, but it's like a different way of interacting with the music and I'm not talking about that in terms of the sort of patreon model. the patreon model would be for the smaller sort of more kind of uh, enthusiastic and uh, in- interested fans I think that's, yeah, yeah that's, that's my that's my take
1: and what's your uh, what's your uh, opinion on NFTs because that's be- becoming another th- this is what you're saying that the, it's another, a new way of people supporting artwork m- that is vinculated or made by an artist yeah, uh, yeah. what's your what's NFTs your take sick
2: that's, that's that's my take on that Okay. Well, yeah. It's
1: shame you're not playing the
2: Binance stage. You know, there's been a lot of argument up in the Binance around. stage. <laughs> <laughs>
0: can I can I ask you a fatherhood question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've literally you've just met Johan's daughter. Yeah. Um, and um, I've got two children myself. Does your daughter like your music? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Like, uh, which is, I, I never try and like force my music upon
2: any any of my friends or family, um, hmm. at all, um, uh. Because I feel like if I were to play my own things, it's sort of inviting a compliment, and I can't really bear to be complimented by people uh, who yeah. like, "Oh your
0: daughter, you can um, no i, I,
2: I, I so I, it's just something deep within me that can't bear to play my own stuff in a kind of like please say a good thing about it I, I need it to I need to know it's an environment where someone can feel like they can be critical about it um but yeah no uh she 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 does seem to, yeah. I think the more intense, like… More of the sort of hardcore side of like intense rave music side of things, like kids like love that
0: kind of thing. Kids love Gabba and stuff like that. They
2: do, they do. They love anything that just grabs their attention. (laughs) yeah.
0: What do you make? I mean, presumably you've now been introduced to the world of ch- children's music, which is weird as hell. Yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you make of like children's music, like Baby Shark? Baby and, Shark. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, that's an obvious example. There's so like, my son listens to these songs, which basically tell the story of football matches <laughs> in this weird like off-key salsa thing. And he absolutely loves it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like this, yeah, what do you make of children's yeah, music? Yeah, I'm a big
2: fan of like those big hits. And I'm a big fan of, um. I'm going to forget it now. It's this it's this like other uh, Korean Song service that makes this song called I I Got Boots, which is so fucking sick. Like sometimes you see, can I swear? Sorry. Yeah. Of course, um, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you see, um, sometimes you see uh, I mean like most of the time kids' music is so is is actually rubbish in a way that like it's be- been written by people who who hate music and they don't listen to music and they don't understand how it works and, they, and it's just like these this like awful sounding garbage but then sometimes you just like hear somebody's actually paid attention and like written something that clearly they think sounds really good and that's what this kind of like I think it's called uh, I think Babamaru or something like that Badunamu Badunamu yeah, that's yeah, what it's I'm called <laughs> it's Very so good looking. yeah 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 no I oh, Got Boots is an absolute Fucking, like, just play, 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 the beginning of it. Like okay, it's, okay. it's a hit from the start.
1: I got boots. Stand, nursery rhyme stand, and kids songs.
3: Stand, stand,
1: stand, I
2: got boots. I Those vocal takes, man. It's because it How sounds like
3: some of the
1: taste? stuff on hardcore
3: or 80 <laughs> yeah,
2: cooks.
3: It's the ripoff Friday. we were talking about
2: yeah, doing yeah, the yeah. Danny oh, Pigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they well, totally window. Yeah, yeah like, totally. 100%. They, they, The contest is over. They yeah. won. Yeah,
0: yeah. The contest <laughs> is over. But but yeah. would, you, would, would you make
2: something? Yeah, no, I would love to. And I've always been really into like, and I know like very early PC stuff. We've always been like writing up ideas for kids shows. I was literally, I had a meeting with Gus from Caracol about making a kids show the other day. It was, it's like. Always been a thing that I'm into, but yeah. it's specifically stuff for like kids below the age of three. Because as soon as kids start developing a sense of irony and like they sort of like get that those kind of jokes where it's like laughing because like someone's being so uncool or something like that, I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. I'm just interested in the kind of psychedelic, like crazy stuff that's like Teletubbies and that kind of yes. world where it's just like you can just introduce a new element at any point and there's no there's, there's no like requirement for yeah. like uh, justifying it.
1: Yeah. Do you like Adventure Time?
2: Yeah, 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 no. I was I I, I I remember when I first watched it, I because I wanted to see a show like that for a long time, and like when it first came out, I was like, yes, this is this show looks the way I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, 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 yeah. You haven't put out a kids album yet, but you've put out the last thing you we've seen from you is the remix version of Hardcore, mm. which to me was kind of surprising because in my head Hardcore it already sounds like a remix of something in my head so uh, it was when I was like kind of not sure if I wanted to listen to it because I I was scared of being disappointed like how can you remix that and then I was obviously um, surprised in a good way how were you afraid of 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 not being able to remix your or you were so sure not at all not at
2: all because um, I was just so excited about the people that were interested in doing it like Flume's like recent style where he's taken on these kind of like trancey aesthetics and like he sort of like got these kind of like trancey chords and he's found a way of squeezing them through his style like filtering through his style and like hearing the way he manipulated that track but then like I mean having Hixie do one is amazing because Hixie's like an original like hardcore legend that was an extraordinary one and then like Yasutaka Nakata who is like absolute production hero of mine like that was an extraordinary moment and then Ascendant Vierge who like I I was just a fan of theirs and asked them to do it and then they did a whole it was basically like a cover but then they wrote new lyrics and they did it all in French was, and, and like that one I can remember the first time I played that one live um because I just loved it so much and I, I nearly cried whilst playing it live because they just they found this new emotion in the song that I just like could not Believe they're discovered. That was their remix of On a Mountain.
0: I gotta say, a friend of ours, uh, Mark, recently sent us a link to um, a song. Well, it, it's uh, it's a remix of Tiamo, although it's not called that. It's by Sonix. It's called Eroina, and it, basically Tiamo just doubled in speed, as far as I can make it. Not a bad <laughs> idea. Yeah, it was like, we were like, yeah, it seems to work. I want to, like, can I ask about I want pop music and writing pop songs because popular music, uh, I'll try. <laughs> it might, might catch on. How close do you? All right, no, let's go. What makes a perfect pop song? And how close have you got to writing one? The
2: song uh, Kiss from a Rose by Seal.
0: Yeah. Why? It's got flu
2: <laughs> Is it a flute? Yeah, that, no, it that's fine. That's fine, exactly.
1: There, <laughs> what ca- is it one of those sort of Guatemalan sort of flutes? Or is it's it just like sick. a. sick. You know, know what I mean? <laughs> na, 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 na.
2: Like the melody is, is, yeah, it's. Basically, every section is as good as a chorus. Right. Um and th- this this is by no means what makes a perfect pop song cuz that's, that's that I am not sure I quite understand that as an idea or I really understand what a pop song is but th- the song Kiss from Rose by Seal is just one of the most beautiful constructions I've ever heard in music and it just like every it's like a you're being it's a true odyssey of a song and every but, but every single like sort of new environment that you're brought into is like more beautiful than last. It? But it's all the most beautiful thing you've ever heard in your life. You meaning me when I listen to it. <laughs>
1: Especially that last section when it go. it, it has a chord change and it goes, I've oh. been kissed from a rose. That's a good hook to put into a remix. That Sheesh. moment of elation, like all of a sudden, Sheesh. I've yeah, been yeah, yeah. kissed
2: from a
0: rose. Go on, you got a few hours before your set.
2: <laughs> True. No. Put
0: a bridge in the set.
2: <laughs> yes. Get your man into to sing it. How yeah, about no, yeah? The a <laughs> cover. I'll do that with you.
1: Let's do it now. Only, it only ten thousand people. <laughs> <laughs> I had enough in being in the Mainline Magic Orchestra chorus. Have you? Uh, have you, you? You've been hanging a lot with your friend Paul Christoffel from our booking team, who's your your new BFF here in Barcelona. <laughs> you've, you've practically. Are you looking for property in Catalonia, like Rosalia? Are you gonna have, like set roots here? You I would love it? to
2: do that. I I I that's a really good idea. I should I should do that. Yeah. So
1: has he introduced you to apart from pasties and buenry, Has he introduced you to more local um, Spanish
2: uh, acts? Not really. Just we just banter.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, no, no. It's just like we just get on really well. I just think that I mean there is like a historical like uh, kind of sort of just, just interaction between Spain and the UK, mm. but there is some shared DNA in my. It, like with me and just the way that Spanish people hear stuff. I think I think just, the, just I mean the, the, the sort of like Catalonian sort of like music thing is just so so sick. And just like the also that willingness to uh, the, the style of melody. I think is something that I'm particularly drawn to because I'm all about tunes and chords basically. And I just think there's something in that that is the the, the key to it all.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, an obvious question, but because you're at the you're in the centre of the hurricane, the eye of the hurricane, with the hurricane. The hu- Oh, we are on. Ben's <laughs> and he had a nap, so did <laughs> I. But his, his nap was better than mine. Um, Hyperpop, where is it today? Do you think it's is it is it on the is it past the peak and on the way down? Oh, has it. it has it implanted itself in the mainstream like you wished it would? What's your take I want
3: to add something before you finish the question because we talked to Hannah Diamond and she had a really interesting take um, on what hyperpop was to her and how she like reconciliated. I don't know if that's a word. I just made it up maybe. Um, With the term, because now it felt like a little bit overdone and it felt like it didn't belong to the people who actually created it. And she said that she made it hers again by understanding hyperpop as a kind of audience more than a genre of music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you agree with Hannah that's Diamond? A, that's a
2: very clever thing to say. Hannah Diamond's very clever. She's Yeah, no, she's very clever. But um I have no idea to be honest that I've never really known what hyperpop is or where it is or
0: anything like that, but I just think it's just all great. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wrap up soon. I'm afraid.
3: I want to ask a question before we course. have yeah, to Mark, go. On, because like go Ancora, I love Ancora. when you um, give song recommendations like you just did now. But I want you to recommend at least two more because the last time two more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, <laughs> because have have you said two songs you, out you out said <laughs> <laughs> you two know. the All other right. time. So now you what, have to three steam.
0: songs <laughs> per glass of wine. That's just a deal. <laughs> I'll, I'll here. personally serve you another one. All outside. Okay. 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 I
3: will remind you. You recommended already. Well, you didn't recommend, but last time we met at Benidorm, you said the Hamster, hamster Dance song made you very emotional. <laughs> Absolutely. And when you were asked for the perfect Valentine's Day song, you said Ecuador by Sash, which is the most intelligent thing I have ever heard, prob- probably.
2: Without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you see um, uh, Evian Christ played that track at Trance Party? No, not Trance Party, at his, his Evian Christ gig. We weren't allowed to go. He did an extraordinary <laughs> cover of Ecuador. A, a I, cover, I, I will Avian
1: Christ style, like dark, yeah, and epole- yeah, 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 apocalyptic. Yeah. No drums, just oh. explosions. Oh. <sighs> well, oh, we have to hear that. And and you wanted a breakup song, no?
3: Yeah, I want a breakup, a good breakup song because you said that good for Valentine's Day and a good one to play when a party is kind of dying and the people are mm-hmm. kind of. Um, not in the mood, mm-hmm. and you have to lift the
2: spirit up. Okay, okay. So, okay. there's
3: your two things you have to feel. Complete
2: the answer. <sighs> okay, okay. A breakup song. <laughs> do you want us to I'm play thinking, a song think, while you think, think about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't you play I Got Boots while I'm thinking about a <laughs> breakup song? <laughs> okay, Maybe we'll get hear. distracted. Right. Yeah. right from the start. Right play from the it start. again. Play this
0: again. is gonna be awful sound quality. Here we go. Oh, no. Stop, stop, stop. I got boots, stop. Step, step,
3: mm-hmm. I <laughs> And I love it. Stomp in a puddle. Run through the mud and bring it back again. I got food, got suit, got places to go, got tiny runners, papa linger, I don't
1: know. I got <laughs> kiss by a rose. <laughs> my dream song <laughs> <right now. laughs> To, it's it's countdown mode. This is like a game show, You're Danny. You have thirty contest. seconds to name the
2: two songs post- proposed yeah. by Mark. What was it? Uh,
3: uh, if you want, you can uh, okay, okay, say
2: okay. only one. Okay, no, no, I'm, I'm gonna do two. Okay, here you go. I'm so nervous. <laughs> we go, here we go. Okay, I've got them. They're good. They're good. The breakup song is a song that I dare I say I have had something to do with. Yeah. Mm, okay. It's a song called Nocebo. By a band that I'm in called Alto Arc, and it is sort of descent into a kind of. Uh, I don't like to talk about Alto Arc because it's sort of mainly George and Ismael, the uh, singers, who talk about it. But um, it's sort of it's it's another kind of interdimensional project, dare I say? And it's it, it it it's sort of embracing the misery of a breakup rather than any kind of empowerment of like feeling good about yourself or anything like that. It's sort of more like. Bringing on a, a, a total apocalypse of the world, and like I love that. Are the only positives, I suppose, is like the idea of like a rebirth at the end of an apocalypse. But it's much more about like just a drowning in 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 the kind of
0: like misery. So, I've got to say, I'm looking at the lyrics now, and they're pretty harsh. Yeah, uh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Drowning misery, <laughs> wedding a funeral the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in black. Yeah, I've, yeah, yeah, and
2: there you have the ultimate <laughs> breakup anthem by Daniel Hart. Um, so yeah, partially written by Danielle Hall. And so, do you want to know the song, the floor filler that will get everyone? Yeah, on the, the
3: one that I have to put when my friends are kind of being yeah, boring. Yeah,
2: absolutely. But this is a kind of cheat answer that I'm about to give you. I'm, I'm going to give you a You're cheat answer. Do- it's not a real answer. It's a cheat answer. Is that all right? Yes, it's okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the answer is uh, you play "It's a Fine Day" by Jane.
3: I don't know any. You, <laughs> so you would, don't
2: would know it if you heard it. You would know it if you heard it. Okay. Do you recognize this? It's a fine day, people <gasps> oh, open oh, windows. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, but the original of "It's a Fine Day," where the sample comes from, is just a sample of Jane just singing that on its own, completely a cappella, with no nothing else in the background. So it's not like the Opus Three sort of uh, thing. Um, so it's. Basically, the reason why it's a cheat answer is because everybody will like go to the dance floor expecting the drop, but in fact, <laughs> it will just go through the entire song completely acapella, and then they'll just still be there. And that's given you the entire duration of the song to think up another song that will then like create that moment of euphoria. That is good. Thank
3: you for being the most clever person ever and gracing us <laughs> with
2: the most intelligent
3: responses ever. And thank you for being here, and thank you for breaking the stage that will happen
2: thank later. You. Can I just also say thank you Thank you, Buenri, for giving me this on the dance floor, for giving me uh, Neckbreaker by Scott Brown, 2002 vinyl pressing. That was the nicest thing anyone has ever done for me. Thank you.
3: Wow. Iconic.
1: Fans
2: are the best. Yeah. Thank you so much. Daniel
1: Harl, closing the Coopra stage tonight, Friday the 10th of... uh, uh, Is it June? It's June. I don't even know what month we're in. It's summer. It's hot. It's sexy. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you, Danny. (laughs)